From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Chuck Quirmbach, filling in for Mayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Hi, J.R. Uh, last week, I wished you happy debate season. Uh, already, I'm wishing you a happy post-debate season. It went quick. Yeah, three debates in the span of about eight days. I don't know if they really changed the trajectory of those races, especially in comparison to the exposure that voters are seeing from TV ads these days. But we did have this uh, one and only governor debate on Friday night between Democratic incumbent Tony Evers and Republican challenger Tim Michaels. Did anything stand out for you? or what, If so, what did? Really, that there, there weren't a whole lot of sharp exchanges between the two of them, even though they have some deep policy differences. They also didn't offer a lot of specifics. Um, you know, Michaels, he's obviously a challenger. He's just talking about this kind of general theme of leadership, you know, bold leadership versus what he says is weak leadership. At one point, Tony Evers kind of responded to Michael's response on climate change by saying, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to actually talk about my priorities. But, you know, Evers didn't offer a lot of specifics either. It was a little light on that, but also no real, like, moments where you go, ah, that really defines his race all of a sudden. We did a little uh, web story that mentioned Michael's referring to some Wisconsinites as lazy. What about that? I'm not sensing yet that that stuff is going to break through and be in a TV ad. I mean, the, the reality is with debates on Friday nights in October is people have other things to do, like going to high school football games or whatnot. So there isn't a huge audience for that. It's really got to be something that either you sh- see how heavy attention the media responds to it or in an ad. And I don't know that that's going to be something in an ad. Maybe it will. Okay, well, last week, of course, was Marquette Poll Week again uh, for the month of October. Where do things stand after that survey? The trajectory is kind of in Republicans' favor in several ways, especially among independents. Now, uh, again, with polls, I look for the trend more than the top-line numbers until the very end of the race. We're still a few weeks out. Things can change. But in looking at both the Senate race and the gubernatorial race, the independents have been moving toward the Republican candidates over the last couple of months. Now, go back to August, you know, Mandela Barnes had a seven-point lead over Ron Johnson. That was probably a little bit of a sugar high off of the primary win that he had, and nobody had really kind of engaged Mandela with any negative ads yet. So it was a kind of an artificial number. That said, independents have very much swung from Mandela Barnes toward Ron Johnson. I don't know if Ron Johnson's up by six points like the Marquette poll has him, but he's definitely seen things move in his favor. And you can't ignore that the span between the last Marquette poll in September and this one, Ron Johnson, his allies, outspent Mandela Barnes and his backers by about seven million bucks on TV, paid media over that course, you know, digital, radio, those kinds of things. That obviously left the market, made a difference in that race. The uh, Barnes campaign hoping to turn more registered voters, where he's shown in a tie with Johnson into likely or actual voters. Oh, absolutely. I mean, every campaign I've covered, you know, in Wisconsin, such a purple state that operatives will say, well, all comes down to turnout. And it's kind of become like a joke, like a long-standing line of like, oh, of course it's about turnout. But it is true, you look at the Marquette poll, that the likely voters that Marquette poll bases its survey results on the top line numbers, there are some good things for Johnson in those numbers. Looking at the registered voter sample, it's a much closer race. That indicates that the people who are kind of least likely to vote right now are people that Mandela Barnes and Tony Evers want to get out. They are leaning toward Mandela and Evers. They would help them significantly to get those folks motivated. The challenge is 
you can't make somebody vote if they don't want to vote. You have to capitalize on the enthusiasm, the kind of the energy out there. And so it's a challenge for Democrats if this is a difficult environment for them come November because of uh, the party, the power in the White House often struggles in midterm elections. It's going to be a challenge to kind of capture some energy if they kind of generate it. And they're hoping to, it's being generated by the abortion debate. We will see if that ends up being a significant factor in the race come November, no matter what. I mean, it's a, really a different midterm. You're used to just seeing straight, okay, it's a referendum on the party and power in the White House. That's not really the case this year. It's, it's also the referendum on the abortion issue. Also, Donald Trump is not going away. He's still kind of in the wings. It's really just unlike anything I've ever covered before. Well, let's uh, not ignore some other key races, including one that has uh, would seem to have a lot of potential impact on the issue of abortion. I'm talking about the Wisconsin Attorney General race. Just moments before our conversation, I saw what I think was Democrat incumbent Josh Call's first TV ad. Is that uh, contest heating up? Oddly, yes and no. <laughs> and I say that because we're seeing the Republican Attorneys General Association run ads on behalf of Eric Toney. Call is now up on the air. Eric Tony, the GOP nominee, has started his first ad buy just recently, um, but it's a very small one. What's interesting is looking at, as of late last week through Election Day, according to Ad Impact, which tracks media buys, the Democratic side, Josh Call and the groups backing him, had about a more than four to one advantage in terms of what's called gross ratings points, how often you're going to see the ad. The voters will see these ads. Um, it's significant. But I don't know if it matters. In talking to people about that race, it's so low profile. You have so much attention in the Senate race, so much attention in the governor's race. I'm not sure if Josh Call and Eric Tony can break through the generic ballot question. Just basically, is it a good year for Republicans or a good year for Democrats? It could really be a, a question of if Tony Evers wins, Josh Call wins. If Tim Michaels wins, then Eric Tony wins. I mean, granted, there could be a, a split decision, but they're having a hard time breaking through because of all the clutter on the airwaves. Tony, he's been such a poor fundraiser. It's really unique in terms of statewide races. I can't remember a statewide candidate for an office like attorney general who's raised so little for his or her campaign uh, at this point, especially with the attention on that office, the importance of it and some issues going forward. But he's just struggled financially. He's getting help from other groups. Is it going to be enough? Well, let's check in on that race again later this month. Meanwhile, I want to ask you about a WIS politics event on Tuesday highlighting key legislative races. Uh, we're not talking about Democrats winning either the state Senate or state Assembly, are we? We're, we're talking about the clout uh, the Republicans will have? Yes, absolutely. The maps that were drawn uh, and approved by the state Supreme Court were drawn by Republican lawmakers. They really lock in a significant advantage for Republicans. It is darn near impossible for Democrats to win a majority with the maps we have in place. So the question is not about that, but will Republicans reach a two-thirds majority in both chambers? That would be key because it'll allow them, if Evers is reelected, to override a control of veto without needing Democratic votes to do that. In the Senate, Republicans are in pretty good shape to do that. Um, you look at the races in play, Northern Wisconsin is a seat, Janet Bewley, who's a minority right now, who is not seeking re-election, you know, even Democrats tell me that's, that's be a tough rate, seat to hold. They are really prepared for Republicans to win that seat, okay? They only need to net one to get there to the two-thirds majority in the Senate. The other race really to really watch over in the Eau Claire area, Jeff Smith, a Democrat, he's being challenged by Evanson. That's going to be an interesting race that Democrats are kind of putting the resources into because they're trying to defend that seat. 
There are two open Republican seats, one in the Appleton area, one in suburban Milwaukee. Those in a good Democratic year, they could be something that Democrats could pick up. We're talking more about a tough environment to even a pro-Republican environment. So that, that's going to be tough. In the assembly, the path is there to two-thirds majority, but it's just getting those last couple of seats might be a little bit hard for Republicans to do. There's one seat in suburban Milwaukee that uh, was redrawn to be from a swing seat to a Republican one. That is Sarah Rodriguez's seat. She's running for lieutenant governor as a Democrat. So, okay, you add that to the Republican total. If they hold everything they have, they got to pick up two seats in northern Wisconsin, which they feel good about. They've been in Democratic hands for a long time, but that air has been trending Republican for quite a while, especially in the Trump era. Then you have the, the tougher seats. you got to beat Steve Doyle over in western Wisconsin. Swing seat, longtime incumbent, uh, also longtime local official. Democrats have been investing in his race heavily to shore him up. After that, you have to go pick up another seat. Then you got to look at seats like Katrina Shanklin, Democrat up in Stevens Point, an open seat in the Oshkosh area. These are both, if you look at top of the ticket performances the last few cycles, they're like plus eight, plus nine, some of that were Democratic seats. Now, if you're a Republican, if you're winning those seats, you probably don't need a two-thirds majority because you're probably beating Tony Evers because it's been such a good Republican year. But either way, the path is there in the Senate. It's also in the Assembly. It's just a tougher to reach the mountaintop in the Assembly to get that two-thirds majority than is in the Senate right now. Well, we'll look forward to WisPolitics uh, reporting on its event uh, Tuesday. Let me just wrap up our conversation, though, uh, with a quick question about turnout. Uh, the news came out uh, just in the last couple of days that the former President Barack Obama coming to Milwaukee on October 29th for a big Democratic get-out-the-vote event. Does he uh, still have a certain amount of pull with uh, voters? Again, go back to the Marquette poll. Those casual voters who... They're not sure they're going to turn out on Election Day in Wisconsin. They're the ones that Democrats need um, to get jazzed up. Barack Obama could maybe come in and, and give a little energy on that front and help in that regard. Should be some interesting times yet in October. Thanks very much, J.R. Anytime. That was J.R. Ross of wispolitics.com speaking with me, WUWM's Chuck Kornbach. Listen for our segments every Monday and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts.